Hey everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about Adventure League and the intricacies of Season 8, as well as a new RPG that I am obsessed with, Kids on Bikes. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over there at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, and good morning to all of our fans out there. It's another wonderful Saturday morning. And thank you guys for joining us on this awesome Saturday morning. Uh, if you are listening on YouTube or podcast form, you can always catch us live at twitch.tv slash Lucian at... 9 a.m. Pacific time every Saturday we record and talk about the latest in Dungeons & Dragons news and our games that we are currently playing. And this is going to be a great episode because, one, I got a brand new computer and a brand new monitor. So, like, everything's just huge in front of me. It's pretty amazing. Um, and, two, I played a really great game of Kids on Bikes and had so much fun. So, we're going to talk about that. Um, as well as Lucian is got, I think he's seventh level now, so he's just climbing the, yeah. the leveling ladder, and it's awesome. Crazy. <laughs> um, so yeah, we got some really great things. Uh, MJS October is out there, Cyberwolf, Indoor Adventure, Mr. Bidwell. Thank you guys so much for just coming out and hanging out with us every Saturday morning. Yeah. News. News. Did you hear about this brand new thing that they're starting called... Well, it was called D&D Sports, and then I was just reading this morning that they have now changed the name to RPG Sports. Yeah. Um, competitive yeah. Dungeons & Dragons. Now, how this will work is, I was reading up on it, um, they're going to have some rules that they're going to like release uh, in a little bit, but they haven't really released it yet to kind of just balance it out. But they're going to implement um MOBA-esque mechanics of picking and choosing pick and bans so if you ever watch like competitive MOBA on esports uh they have like a whole slew of players like League of Legends or Heroes of the Storm they have a whole slew of not players but characters that the players can choose from and they will get to like pick two and then the opposing team gets to ban certain characters so I'm thinking it's like well I'm gonna pick a ranger and they're like okay well I'm gonna ban a cleric and it's like okay well I'm gonna get a bard then because I need a healer well we're gonna ban um, the fighter well then I'm gonna get a paladin and so it's gonna be this kind of pick ban between the two things and then I guess you just you roll dice to build these characters or are these characters pre pre-rolled do you think yeah, I mean, how do you keep it fair? Do you, do they randomize it out and then it's just the luck of the draw? Or I, do they do standard array to keep everything? I'm assuming it's going to be standard array just because that makes more sense. But, and there's so many different ways they could do this. Like, are they fighting each other? Or are they trying to see who gets farthest in a in a module or something like that? Like, I, I don't really know. I don't have a good answer for this. Uh, I think they're going to fight. I feel like they're going to fight each other. Um this is interesting because it's putting like a competitive spin on Dungeons and Dragons that I have never really seen. I'm assuming they're going to have like dungeon master judiciaries that are oversee the fight and things like that. Uh, I'm really curious about this. Like I, it's something that I've always kind of like played with in the back of my mind. And now it's this real thing. Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting. So that's going to come out uh, November 10th uh, on Twitch. Um, and it's now RPG Sports TV, I think it's what it's called. Or uh, anyway, you can Google it. Um, they're all over Twitter and they're being really cool. So they're they're or they're answering questions and just kind of promoting stuff. So check out RPG Sports. But I don't know thoughts on this. Yeah. So <laughs> it's an interesting concept because there's always going to be ways that people come up with different way to play the game you like, no matter what it is, whether you're playing a card game, a video game, a board game, whatever, there's always people want to come up with variants or different ways to play it or a different set of rules that make it harder or easier, or then even a set of rules that make it competitive when it really wasn't that way in the first place. So it's interesting to me that we have a very subjective rule set, right? Because it's really the GM makes a lot of decisions that's subjective that I like as a DM I might make and you might choose differently. So how do we negate any type of problem where it becomes, Oh, the GM did, or the DM did something that helped this group win or helped that group win because of the way they interpreted a rule. I mean, we see how sports are where a referee makes a call 
a judgment call in a snap, you know, few seconds of, of time to make it. And then people go crazy if it's not yeah. the call they think should be made. So imagine that in a in an area where the rules aren't so set in stone, because there's a lot of, you know, it's whatever the DM just kind of creates or whatever the rules. So maybe they have to have a, a more stringent set of rules. And then you're right. Is it competitive towards a goal or is it competitive against each other, which means they're going to fight each other. And the game actually wasn't designed to be balanced in a way that each character class could fight another character. Class, yeah. Right. So then are we talking team on team battle? And then does it come down to like a team composition versus a team composition? And then how do you run? Like, let's say it's even just four people fighting four people. Could you imagine sitting at the table with four on one side and four on the other side, have everybody roll initiative and keep track of all the craziness that's going to be going on. If you're say 10th level or higher levels where people have reactions, bonuses, spells going off, all this stuff. That's just, like it I, sounds big to try I'm, to do yeah like and i'm thinking of the hold action where people are like well i'm gonna hold my action till he moves and it's like well i know that he wants me to move so i'm not gonna move like it's gonna be i mean the monsters operate a lot differently because the dm kind of says well i don't know how this i mean are they gonna be in like soundproof bubbles so they don't know what the other person other team's gonna do yeah. um imagine that a double blind game Oh, I, there's so many ways there are things that they could do. So I'm sure they have their work cut out for them to figure out how they're going to do this and make it something entertaining, something that people want to do and can be a fair competitive game. Yeah. And hopefully generate the type of attitude and um, uh, audience that is going to be about fair play versus competitive, do what you've got to do to win you know, bad losers, bad winners, all that kind of stuff that can happen in competitive anything. Um, there are sports where honor or winning the right way is is pushed, but there's also a lot of them that are just about, you know, do whatever you can to win. You know, it's yeah. just like it's crazy. So I wonder. Well, and then, so I was just thinking, I have a game behind me called uh, The Magic the Gathering Arena yeah, Arena of the Planeswalkers, which was based mm -hmm. on an older game called Hero Quest. Somebody in chat can probably fact check me on that. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, that is like you you have like your miniatures laid out and you're basically having a war game between the two and you do roll dice and stuff. And there's like strategy to kind of uh, where you're going to place your things. They can only move so much. They can almost summon some summon certain things at a certain time. Uh, I'm wondering if it's going to be like that, but then you made a really good point. Like D and D is not balanced for a bard to fight a paladin. Like it's not balanced for those, those uh, PVP matchups. So another thought that I had is uh, this was a while ago and I think it was during March madness, but the D and D team was streaming on Twitch fights between monsters so you would have wow. like this guy who works at wizards of the coast and this gal that works at wizards of the coast and they would have like we're gonna have battle a beholder versus a mind flare and it would be two equivalent equivalent uh cr monsters and they would be like fighting it out between the two of them and so then i'm like well is it even gonna be player characters or is it gonna be monsters or is it gonna be player characters versus monsters and the the characters get to play the monsters and and they get to intelligently play the monsters so Ah, man, I'm really curious about this. Like, yeah. this came out of nowhere, too. Like, of all the things that uh, Wizards of the Coast could have been, like, had up their sleeve. Like, yeah, this is going to be our new promotional thing. Like, I'm just, like, competitive D&D. &D, and it's, they're, they're pushing it really hard. So we'll see. Yeah, and I think it's in an effort to garner the bigger numbers that like it or love it. And as much as people can say, I don't like this kind of stuff. Proof is in the pudding as far as Twitch viewing numbers or YouTube viewing numbers. These things where you have competitive games like League of Legends and um, Fortnite and uh, even um, Counter-Strike is still going years and years and years later. There is a major, huge audience out there that of people that like this stuff. And it may not be the audience we have and know right now it may not even be the audience in our chat right now that is is the group that likes that stuff but they're looking at it from i'm guessing a corporate standpoint to say if we want a bigger audience we have to go where these bigger audiences are yeah and it seems like competitive 
uh, do or die. If they could make a game that plays like Fortnite, but it's D&D rules, at this point, that's the biggest thing that's blown up are these survival 100-person people dropping a map. Who's the last one standing after an hour as the map gets lower and lower and lower and forces them into the center style of gameplay to put that pressure on? There's a lot of people that love to watch that kind of stuff and it's entertaining and it's millions of viewers. We're not just talking about a few thousand extra or even 10,000 extra. We're talking about big numbers to watch this kind of stuff. They will fly to California to watch the Overwatch stuff. They've got Overwatch National Leagues at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just D&D is trying to stay a little bit relevant with that crowd and whether they should or not, I don't know. I mean, I don't mind that D&D has different ways to play it because d d is still always about play it the way you like and your group likes to play it. Mm-hmm. So if you're a DM out there and your group loves PvP and they want to battle each other week after week, then that's okay. Then nobody should walk up to you and say, hey, that's not the way you play D&D at all. What everybody should be finding is the way they like to play D&D and then just keep fostering your way and finding more people that like to play your way also. Yeah. Don't go and try to trash how somebody else might try to play. Let them play, you play your game, and everybody has fun. Yeah, that's the important thing to take away from this is like just because they're making this, nobody's going to rewrite rules that come into your house and kick your door down and say you can no longer play D&D the way you originally were playing it. Like it's, you know, everything's going to be the same. It's just this is a new avenue. But I think you're actually or not. I think you're exactly right is that they are trying to stay relevant or trying to get into that niche crowd of people Um, like, yeah, how can we. How can we broaden uh, Dungeons and Dragons so we can bring in the the min maxer and he has a, a a path now to take his min maxing skills um, in a competitive environment? So I've yeah. made this really awesome build for this paladin. It's going to be so great. I'm going to smite everything. Um, if only I could smite another player to prove how awesome it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and people are super creative in some of those ways in that strategy building way like if you watch dota 2 and you watch how a team comes up with a plan to win at some nationals that they're at for the first time and then it kind of sweeps the community everybody jumps on because it was such a cool strategy and everything and then the next group of i don't want to use the word geniuses because we're all playing video games right but the next group (laughs) that has this talent for looking at strategy and looking at what the metagame is, that whole term of the metagame of something, and then really ratcheting it up to say, here's the next cool thing that we could do. There is something to those people that can strategize within those confines. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's the only way you should do it. It doesn't mean everything should be turned that way, but I think they should have their space and they should be allowed a space to, to try it out and play it and do it their way too. It'll be interesting. And, you know, I love the Encounter Roleplay guys because I know their channel had been talking about it quite a bit. And there's other people that are going to be involved in it. Um, it'll be interesting. It, I'm, you know, I'm running a mega campaign, and somebody might say, you know, doing West Marches style campaigns is not really D and D. That's not the way you do it because, you know, whatever their reasoning is, they use a hex map instead of a whatever map, or you know, uh, your groups are not doing what real D and D groups do because you're you're shortening uh, travel time or you're using homebrew rules, so you're not really playing D and D the right way. So. You know, I just I just think that I like the idea that there's more ways to play. Um, I think it's okay to experiment with more ways to play. It's okay mm-hmm. to fail. It's okay to suggest a way to play and say, oh, you know what? That really didn't work. Fail doesn't have to be we all need to, you know, pile drive on them and say, okay, that's it. I'm done buying D&D books because <laughs> this one style of game they brought out, I just hated. And that's it. Now I'm boycotting them. You know, yeah. it's like, we don't. that just doesn't, we're gamers. We just want to play games and we want them to try to build more games. We want them to innovate. We want them to fail enough times that they get to those really cool successes anyways, because nobody's going to hit it out of the park every single time. Yeah. And I guess uh, Tia Zimmer is going to be one of the casters. And she was in the Saver Dice game that I played uh, pretty recently, like a month ago or so. Um, And she's really great. Like, she's just an awesome person. So I think uh, she'll be a really great caster for that and just make it interesting to watch and listen and and strategize like she's she knows the game really well and stuff it'll be fun um speaking of like the Fortnite style battle maps did you watch the penny arcade this was a while ago but the penny arcade uh mike krahulik game where he basically made a Fortnite style map for D&D. and they had a big like behind them they were projecting this big map and the map was getting smaller and smaller and they were able to like run around and roll dice and 
that's why I think they're actually attempting it because really of, because of that. I think it's because of that showed them that it's possible. Maybe that's not the exact form of it yet, mm -hmm. but it shows that it's possible. And it was and Kruhulik did that, and he did the one before that, the year before that, he did the Mario Kart version of Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, where they raced around the sewers, and it was just a different way to play D and D. It doesn't, and I thought it was super creative and, and interesting to try one of those things where you would try as a one off or like a funhouse thing. It wouldn't be maybe the way you do your entire campaign, but it was definitely a cool twist for them to have, you know, little special abilities that they could do and, and a reason that they had to participate or they would die or somebody would die that was kidnapped or whatever. And they're being forced to play by the rules and play in this game, even though maybe their characters normally wouldn't choose to do that. Yeah. And so I like that idea. I like the idea that um, when Mike looks at the game of Dungeons and Dragons, he finds many different ways to come at it and bring in other genres. And I think... He's, they're so tied in close with the Dungeons and Dragons brand, um, Wizards of the Coast at this point. That whole Penny Arcade and Wizards of the Coast and Critical Role, I think all of that's feeding on each other. All of those creative minds from those three big franchises are really starting to push it in different directions. Yeah, he Mike Krahulik made a really good uh, post. And he's uh, Gabe from Penny Arcade. We His just real name is Mike Krahulik. And I love his last name. It's just fun to say, Krahulik. But uh, he did a really good post um, about uh, why he loves Dungeons & Dragons. And it was exactly what you were just saying, is that he loves it that the rules are so... Um, accessible that he can take them and, and manipulate them in whatever way he wants to make whatever crazy game and he's done a lot of like world of warcraft type games because he was into world of warcraft for a long time so when he started role playing he took fourth edition and he made world of warcraft out of it and all of his like wow friends loved it they would sit down and play the game and they were just like oh you made references to this or this mechanic and this and it's like it was so much fun and that's how he has fun with D D. Like that's that's probably one of the best things he loves about it, and so I it's just really cool that this game is so accessible like that. You can change it around however you want, um, and this is this RPG sports is just another step in that direction. Um, I'm curious how this will work with Dungeons and Dragons, but also with other RPGs because now they changed their name to RPG Sports because they didn't want to be limited to just Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and there's obviously tons of RPGs out there, but like cipher system, competitive cipher system, like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I would think the, the narrative games, maybe I would have a harder time than yeah. the ones that have a little bit more rule crunchy, but it just I, don't turns know. Into, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. turns into Calvin ball at some point where it's yeah. like, and my arm becomes a laser and it's like, no, it yeah. did it. Well, and that's an interesting point too, because I've noticed there's been a push that started. It's been a slow roll for the last year or two to recognize instead of saying playing Dungeons and Dragons, which encompasses all role-playing games, the other role-playing ga games out there are pushing back and saying, hey, this isn't all just about D&D. We're not just Kleenex. We're not just, yeah. you know, we're our own thing out here. We have just as great game systems and creative stories that you can create and rule systems you can try and dice rolling methods and, and a huge community that you can... They want to really, it, it was the been happening with the push for Twitch not to have just a Dungeons and Dragons channel where everybody puts their live plays on all RPGs. And they've been trying to, that's even kind of a part of that push. And I, I think it's interesting because what I love about Dungeons and Dragons is that it pushes those other companies to build really cool games that keep me interested because I love going and reading about new rule systems or I love going and reading somebody's take on, this is how I would play, um, I, I don't know, uh, long haul truckers RPG, or, <laughs> you know, they just come up with some crazy niche things. You're like the, the, which was the, the night witches was, I think is the one that was called where it was talked about your world war two bombers pilots and crew on bombing runs during world war two RPG. And I just think that's just such a crazy cool niche. And I love reading about how they make their mechanics and their rules fit the game they're trying to play, the Dungeon Worlds, the Powered by the Apocalypse, yeah. the Savage World, I believe, has just started their new Kickstarter. Yeah, season. it's fully funded, I believe. The Kickstarter is yeah. already funded, but that's a that's huge. They've got a month to just raise unlimited amounts of money. It seems like, <laughs> but that's going to be really cool. And I should probably pick that up the more I think about it, because Savage Worlds is awesome. Yeah, into our adventure. Don't tempt me with American Truck Simulator on this yeah. channel. That's it. <laughs> We're going to run a game. Everybody's going to roll up a truck driver. And we're going to see who can haul the most cargo. <laughs> I will play that. 
Um, one of my players at my, one of my regular players in my D and D game and my kids on bikes game this last week, he found a wrestling, like a world WWF RPG. And it is, it's like, it's all about like how showy you are, not just how strong you are. And you have all these different stats and stuff And it. I don't know. It's so funny to me how RPGs are mostly the same, but then you pick up a new system and you're like, this is so different from the last one that I read. Uh, and we'll get into this more with when I talk about kids on bikes, but like that, that system is so different from Dungeons and Dragons and it's so different from the cipher system. And I don't know, it's just kind of amazing to me how we're all just rolling dice, but somehow we take that mechanic and we're able to make it completely different from, from system to system. So. Yeah. And I like, uh, I like Barry's, uh, comment there where his in, in red, in the arrogant nerd voice, actually they're called tabletop role-playing games. And you're right. <laughs> I think there is a, there are enough RPGs out there now that we, it's hard to just say what is an RPG because it encompasses so much. We're obviously talking about a lot of the tabletop RPGs that we love, but RPGs bleed into TRPGs and TTRPGs bleed into, you know, RPGs, video games, whether it's yeah. gaming or MMORPGs or whatever you want to, differentiated i think there's a lot of blending of the genres right now and everybody's into blending things together or pulling in elements from something else too so you have two references you have the reference of playing you know dungeons and dragons or numenera or whatever these games are but then you also have the reference of playing like you like a mario kart or a Fortnite or you know whatever whatever else game a minecraft or a hunger games or whatever mm-hmm. else reference we want to blend those references together sometimes buffy the vampire slayer rpg uh, you know whatever it might be which is a real so, thing it's interesting but... it is a, I mean, it's a huge community <laughs> yeah it's awesome um but speaking of tabletop role-playing games uh lucian what did you do in games this week because i'm assuming you got to play some games ran some games I did. This was the first week back after all of the craziness. And I, too, just like you said at the top of the hour here, you had a new computer. I got a new computer. Mine had died. And then I scrambled to get one up and running. And that was last week. We got it up and running. You got your new computer. So that's all been going on. And then I finally got Mega Campaign running, which is super cool. Um, So I posted several games. We were going to have a Monday night game. I was going to play in a game on Tuesday. I was going to run a game on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Those were, I, that was my schedule was going to be. So, of course, like any role-playing game that you do out there, some get canceled and some actually happen when players can make it. <laughs> so Monday night got canceled. Uh, I did play Tomb of Annihilation on Tuesday. Uh, we played Thursday and Friday, and then nobody scheduled for Saturday. Nobody could get their schedules to align for a Saturday night game. So... But it was a lot. So where to even start with this stuff? One of the cool things was, is I'll start with our Tuesday game, which is our Tomb of Annihilation Adventure League game. And the reason I always like to bring it up because it kind of ties in Adventure League, which we're in season eight. And we've been talking a lot on our shows about season eight. And the thing I liked about this was at the end of it, I got my ninth treasure checkpoint or my ninth uh, leveling checkpoint, XP checkpoint, which allowed me you turn in eight of them and then you go to your next level. And then at some point you have to make that decision of to go into like a slow leveling mode because you can't level tier wise out of the content you're at. So like Tomb of Annihilation is like tier one and two. But I think if you get to tier three, you're out of the Tomb of Annihilation adventure. So our our DM is serious about don't go out of that tier. So we got to really fine tune where we're going to have our characters to keep getting that XP because you want your new abilities and you want your your higher level character but you also want to finish the adventure you're on right yeah. so you don't want to miss out on it and and level out of it completely so well that's interesting really, you because you very much rather than waiting to level and getting excited to level you kind of set when you want to level so it's like okay we're we're you know i'm gonna hold on to that level eight until i know like this feels like a boss battle or something or like we're we're kind of at the end of the dungeon this final long rest i'm going to level up so that we have new toys to play with against the monster at the end of the tunnel yeah yeah so it's an interesting way to play and to think about because again adventure league is a different way to play dungeons and dragons it's not the normal way that you might play um or the way that you would read in the player's handbook in the dungeon master guide there's nothing about adventures league in those two books but it's a different way to play and it's a set of rules that's supposed to support the idea of people going to game stores and conventions or uh, at least a party that has rotating players in and out of it and Mm -hmm. possibly even rotating 
dungeon masters. So the rules have to fit, the adjustments to the rules have to fit supporting that style of gameplay. And I think it does. What it doesn't do so good is when the same party's playing the same week, week after week after week, the rules changes aren't as good for that. They're great if you have people bouncing in and out and you're and there's like a rotating cast of people that are playing, but they feel a little off for when you have your same group that shows up every single week, because you can do things like buy stuff in stores in between sessions. You can buy more healing potions. You can buy more food rations out of the player's handbook. And that doesn't feel right when you're sitting in the middle of the jungle of Cholt one week and you're still there next week when you pick right back up where you were from the last week. So it's really weird way to play, but I understand why it's there and, and why it is. And I'm glad I'm experiencing the way it is. And I love that we're here for season eight to kind of bring you all of the, our ideas and thoughts on what we think of season eight and the changes from season seven to season eight. So it's been pretty cool. The other thing I really liked that we did that night is we fought a frog moth. Have you ever fought one of them? No, uh, and I actually didn't tell you this, but I did tune in just as you guys were finishing up the fight against that guy. Because um, yes. I was uh, I was like, oh, Lucian's like on Anaris's channel. I'll just check it out for a little bit because um, I had some free time. And I was just like, they're going to die. Like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, CR10 creature. Most of us were seventh or eighth level. Um, I got swallowed in went to zero unconscious inside the frog monster. And then we had a clutch play by PB, a friend of the show who is playing an ASMR with wings dove into the frog mouse uh, mouth to get the cure light wounds off me. She had to touch me. So she had to go into the maw to get to me, get my hit points back up as a barbarian so that I could then fight my way out of that thing from the inside. Cause I was really the only one doing like the big, big damage mm -hmm. and you've got to do enough damage that that thing spits you back out type thing, or you're just going to take that acid damage over and over yeah. and over. And it's terrible. Can you attack from inside its belly? You are restrained. So you have disadvantage, disadvantage and you're blinded. So you would normally have disadvantage, but the saving grace for my character was I went reckless because I'm a barbarian. So you get advantage, which offsets that and turns it into just a normal roll. And then I sunblade. I had a sunblade as my reward that I picked for my sword and I'm getting close to treasure checkpoints. Now, those are super slow. How have you been feeling? Now, have you been playing Season 8 at the store lately? Because it's been several weeks since you've talked about any of your AL games. No, I and I haven't. Uh, and in fact, some of my Adventure League friends have messaged me on Discord asking where I've been. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, uh, and a long, funny story. I went to the DMV to get my license renewed, and I ran into somebody from Adventure League. And they're like, we haven't seen you in a while. But it's because I'm in a play right now. So I'm performing on Thursday nights. So I can't go to Adventure League. Uh, but I was like, maybe in, well, not maybe. I am planning on November. I think I'm going to try and go back, um, but I'm going to have a lot to learn all the season eight changes, but I figured by that time they will have it figured out and they'll be able to guide me a little bit um, to update my character to see season eight, or maybe I'll start a new character because I really want to play the Eberron content. Um, and so I want to start a dragon marked dwarf wizard uh, that I've made. That would be really fun, but no, I'm, I'm really unfamiliar with the new rules and I haven't been to adventure league in like, six weeks or longer yeah so you were still doing season seven so yeah i think what's interesting to me and i think what i've seen from some of the, the criticism so far about adventure league is that it feels like treasure because xp comes so fast and maybe the idea might be it's coming too fast that the treasure checkpoints are coming so slow that people are wondering if there should be an adjustment on what you're getting per session for either one of those for me i don't know i mean You've got to have somewhere around eight treasure checkpoints to get, you know, potions or kind of mi kind of like common level magic item stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you really want something good, you want to be in that 12 treasure checkpoint or that 16 treasure checkpoint. Because then you're talking about picking out like a plus one weapon or a wand of something or a ring of something or a shield plus something. You know, you're getting into that really cool stuff that you can say, okay, what fits this character would really make this character stand out. I've been building this really cool divine soul monk. You know, what is going to be that one piece of item that's going to make this character really shine? Yeah. So I think it's interesting and I think it's a fun way to get to adventure because it lets the player decide the reward that they get for their character and gives them that, um, that lead way to try to figure out what works versus the DM just either random roll from the dungeon master's guide. If you're doing like treasure rolls or, 
following the adventure the way it was set out. So maybe it's just written that this there's a ring of regeneration here. There's a ring of invisibility or whatever it might be. Or if you're a, a DM that likes to fine tune the items they give to their characters. I know we always talk about you love building items that match the characters in your group. So mm -hmm. you like to build something that would be useful and unique to them and, and would be interesting. So um, all those different ways to get magic items, there's a lot of different ways. And now we have this way where the player's almost making that choice versus the DM. Yeah, which is cool. Like getting random loot is cool, but like also in Adventure League, it's like this sword drops, four people want it, we all roll randomly, and um, this guy gets it, and then that guy never shows back up to Adventure League again. And it's kind of like, it's this sad, like, but he, and it, it actually happened to me because I got this ring of spell storing. And then I think I went back the next week. And then the week after that, I was in rehearsals and shows. And so I'm, I'm that guy where it's like, but he just got a magic item and then he never came back to Adventure League. And it's like, uh, yeah. this way your character gets to cash in points and kind of get items and you get to choose those items and they're kind of specific to your character. So, uh, it, I, it's another way of like molding your character, but um, I think I like random loot. Like I've been doing random loot in Hot Springs Island. I've been lately doing random loot in um, my other my Sunday games, and it's just been fun to see what drops. So, yeah, and I like players that um, take the creativity to take an item that maybe wouldn't be the thing that they thought their character would need, but found a niche way to use it or a yeah. unique way to make it work. I like somebody who embraces that versus the players that are like ah. Well, we got a plus one axe and nobody really uses axes. So let's go burn it down at town and just get rid of it. Yeah. And then we'll complain that our DM never gives us any magic items. <laughs> it's just like find different ways to, to use this stuff creatively um, in the game. Because that's what it is. It's about bringing out your creativity. So that was the interesting thing. That's why I like to bring up Adventure League at least once a week. And I'm still playing in over on a Narciss channel. Um, we have four players at the moment. Um no, we have we're down to we're down to three again because I think we lost one of our cast members. He hey, um, Nomadic is gotten super busy schedule wise, so he had to step away from the show for a bit. So it's still just me, PB, uh, Noctua, and am I missing anybody? No, that's that's our characters, right? And a narcissist. So they might be looking for another cast member to play in um, as a somebody who has another Adventure League tier two character that can fit right in with ours because. If you have one, it can, you know, it can zoom right in. So hopefully mm -hmm. he finds us another cast member and we're back up to a, a full group, which would be fine and fun. Um, what's your tier character? He's level five, so he's tier two. Oh, there but, we go. Could bark, and could come to the jungle. That would be fun. Uh, <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. But uh, that's my Hot Springs Island night is Tuesdays. So, oh, Tuesday. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> So we're always so busy. That's that's always the problem. So yeah. my Wednesday or nothing happened on Wednesday. That was kind of like my day off. My Thursday game, I set up a game that was a one shot, one off first level characters for a friend of mine. And the only thing that was really relevant to this was it was um, my chance to show somebody who had played at the table mostly and usually would only play D and D if everybody could get together and meet at somebody's house and have like the very typical. D&D session that you might think of and if people's schedules didn't align well the game didn't get played and months would go by and then maybe the group would break up and then it'd be years before somebody got it going again and I was talking to him at a dinner party I'm just like but you've got to really check out these virtual tabletops these being able to play online if you can't get everybody together when you're playing at the table because even I love playing at the table and rolling dice I think it's a great way to play but I don't want, if that's the only way I can play and it's only going to happen once a month, that's not enough for me. I need more than that. I'm willing to use the virtual tabletops and I'm starting to be a really big proponent of them for things like dynamic lighting and things for like tokens moving around and very tactical combats. The math being done right on the character sheets is always nice. Um, and all that stuff makes the game run really well. And I think that person was really impressed with how fun of a game you could have. And we had cameras. So I think the next step has been, hey, we're not just people playing online and we don't really know the people we're playing. We're seeing each other. We're talking yeah. to each other. We're moving things around on the on the battle map. We're all kinds of cool stuff is happening. And we are having good, fun adventures, even if we're not all sitting at the same table. And so I think at the end of that, I, I felt like he was really excited. He wanted to play some more. 
and I, I was able to bring somebody on to the, you know, give virtual tabletops a try if you haven't. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was I was in that same boat where I was not not against it, but not really for it. Um, until I started playing with you and other people online. And it's different from the table. But I guess also every time I've played, except for the game that I ran for you guys, that uh, my one shot that I ran, uh, we've streamed everything that we've played online. And for me, I think it's streaming is intimidating uh, compared to just playing at a table with friends. But that one that I ran for you, there was like low pressure and we just had fun. And so, yeah, it's it's a different it's a different style of play, but it's still really fun and it's very doable. And then you get to play with people that are just as invested in this as you are. Like it's yeah. hard to find people in your community that might be like, Oh, well, you know, Thursdays don't work for me because I've got this and this and this. And like my Sunday game is supposed to be weekly. And it's like once a month sometimes because we just can't meet. Uh, it, you can find those people that are like-minded to you because the internet is just so big. So yeah. Or even the idea, like my mindset is I think about these are the nights I play D&D or run D&D. Everything else I do, like having to run errands or anything else I have to do, I always work around that thing. Like I don't move mm-hmm. D&D around that thing. I move everything else that I can around D&D. And it's like you said, hard to find another five people that live in your neighborhood that are willing to come over to your house that have that same mentality but it's easier to find them if I start looking online. If I yeah. start look, I can find somebody from Australia. I can find somebody from Scotland. I can find somebody from England. I can find people all over the U.S., anywhere that are that same type of mentality that are willing to arrange their life around, hey, we're playing D&D on this night because I love it so much. And that allows me to get to those people. And just cool maps, cool tokens, um, cool moving around and being really tactical and fun mm-hmm. and I just I just love it a lot and I I want to play the game so much that I don't want to give up any of the time if I can't just get people to come over to my house and sit at my dinner table. Yeah. So that was the big thing. That was what Thursday night was about and I think they're going to start they're going to transition into the Revenar campaign because I think they like that one shot enough that I could talk some of them there. And we had PB and Indoor played in that Indoor's in the chat. And he got to play his his son of um uh why is this the, the son of Barovia. <laughs> He played Strahd's son, was his character. One of Strahd's kids uh, was his character, and he got to practice his uh, Strahd voice that he's been doing. So that was <laughs> fun. Uh, we probably should have recorded just for that stuff, but uh, I wanted to keep it low pressure, but it was cool to have cameras and everybody up and playing. And that was the cool thing that he said about um, the, the one player that wasn't on the camera was the new person. And by the end of it, because he could see me and PB and Indoor and Greybeard all talking and, and facial expressions and things that are going on, by the end of it, he's like, oh, you guys are going to make me go get a camera now because I want to I want to be a part of that. I want to be able to you guys to see my face. You guys, to, I see your faces. So it was even cool. Somebody who's not an online personality, somebody who's never thought to do YouTube or Twitch or any of that stuff said, oh, well, it was kind of fun with doing it with you guys. Maybe I should get a camera and do it, too. So I thought that was kind of cool to see that there's that way to play that game. Yeah. Then our Friday night game, last night's game was super cool. And the reason I bring this up, this is our mega campaign. Uh, seeking Revenar expedition went out. Iravel, the character, decided to gather their companions. And what I thought was cool that we would talk about a little bit in this segment before we jump is that I sent you a message late yesterday to say, I kind of have my encounter set up, but as I was sitting there eating dinner, I just felt like it wasn't it wasn't there. Like it wasn't really popping for me because it was going to be a, a, a ship on a, on a beach and it was going to have, you know, undead kind of pirate stuff. And I thought the very kind of typical cliche thing that you might think would happen when right. you go to a, a ship on the beach. And so I typed that message into discard. I'm like, Jordan, what, what would you do aquatic wise? And then all of a sudden you're just like furious typing of, Oh, you should do this. Oh, what, what about Yeah. This I had like oh, seven ideas thing? and I, and I would write <laughs> yeah. one and I'm like, Oh, or this would be really cool. <laughs> yeah. So it was really cool. And at the end of it, I, I was so close. I have it in the game that the giant octopus was the one I was leaning towards. And then at the very last minute I switched it over cause I was reading about the, uh, Sawajin, which are kind of like a merfolk people that uh, hate elves and are at war with elves. And it made the story feel really good because I had made the ship an elven ship that had somehow had been drifting and then finally had gotten pushed ashore through the currents. And that was a that was a little nugget of, of the storyline that was in it. 
And when I saw and started reading about these these characters that I'd never really played with, it's that they hated the elves. I thought, oh, this is a really good opportunity to bring out this type of character that I've never got to run our characters against, which was fun. And they have this ability to telepathically call sharks. So I had this cool idea in my head that if they got in a fight on top of the ship, that one of their tactics would be to run and grapple and throw them off into the water so that they could call the sharks to come over and attack the players. And I thought that would be a really cool thing. It didn't happen that way as any game master, dungeon master realizes that the players never do what you think they're going to do. Yeah. And all the fighting happened in the inside the ship. And like players, these are like the most typical players you could ever think of. They set the ship on fire while they were fighting in the center. <laughs> <of it. laughs> before they had found any of the treasure, before any of the things are going on. And it was super funny to watch the whole fiasco. And that's going to be up on YouTube. You can watch the VODs of it right now. So that was super cool. And I thought the cool thing was in chat, you can kind of jump in on this a little bit, is that cool aquatic encounters, ways to use cool um, creatures that you might not think of normally in a setting where you're at like a river or a beach or where you're like in waist deep water or ankle deep water, or at least close enough to the water that this thing would make sense. And even if you go to the YouTube uh, video of this, when, when Jordan posted up, maybe in the chat over there too, you guys can throw in your ideas of what would have been a cool encounter for a, a beached ship for these players to come and find. So I like the giant octopus. I like the idea of, um, you know, a giant crab of some sort. Here was the only other idea that came to my mind is I was thinking about making the entire ship a mimic. I was just thinking that I was going to say the exact same thing, yeah. but I was like, Oh, they're level one. That's not a good idea. That's why I didn't do it. <laughs> Cause they were level one. Yeah. I was like, Oh, it would have been so good if it would have been a giant mimic ship. Yeah. Even like coastal druid. That's really good. One. Deck, that would have been good. Coastal druid that I hadn't thought of. So yeah. So yeah, put all those cool ideas over in the uh, YouTube version of this in the comments because it'd be cool to see a lot of good discussion on what you think would be really good aquatic um, encounters for parties of either low level or mid level or high level. doesn't really matter. Uh, go ahead and share it with us over there because I think it'd be good for lots of dungeon masters to have that in their pocket in case their party happens to have some type of need for an aquatic encounter. Sweet. Other than that, let's talk about all the cool stuff Jordan did in his games. Well, I only did, I did two games. I did my Hot Springs game, and then I did Kids on Bikes. And I, th I think I'm going to start with Kids on Bikes because that's, frankly, the one I'm more excited about. But <laughs> um, this is such a fun system. Like, I had a blast with this game. So uh, if you don't know what's happening is I wrote a – well, I – I kind of, uh, I went to free RPG day and I'd heard about this kids on bikes game and they had a free RPG supplement. So that's where I first got it. And I flipped through it and the, the free RPG day supplement for kids on bikes was pretty much the full game, um, condensed down to start playing immediately. So it, it left out like character creation and stuff and had a lot of pre-made characters. Uh, that was my first uh, encounter with it. And then at Gen Con, I was able to play in a kids on bikes game, which was really exciting. And I immediately left that table and went and picked up the full book because I knew how much I liked this game, but it's, it's, and everyone compares it to stranger things, but it's this, this like Goonies kind of kids doing some kind of, not necessarily supernatural, but it could be supernatural, but, but kids investigating and taking uh, stock in their community and, and like the weird things that are happening in their community. So what makes the system really cool for me is you create it, you create the entire town and the, and the community and the characters and how they all interact as part of like a session zero that leads into the game, but it's not separate from the game. Cause we think of a session zero with Dungeons and Dragons and it's like, come on over. We'll spend like two or three hours character creating and we'll do all this other stuff. But this game has specific questions and then you roll for relationships between players and stuff. So I had never done anything like this before. And I knew that I wanted my players to go into a haunted house. And so I was overthinking this and trying to write it like a Dungeons and Dragons module, as opposed to playing it like a kids on bikes game. So I wrote out like, well, here are the rooms they're going to be in and here's the haunted house. And this is what they're going to explore. When in actuality, I should have made more of a, where do you guys want to go in the, in the city that you've created? And 
what's there because there's so much narrative control given to the players that instead of me being like, oh yeah, like the Dairy Queen is like this and this and this, you just ask, okay, you want there to be a Dairy Queen? That's cool. Who works there? What? Why are they there? Is it is it a clean Dairy Queen? Is it a gross one? Um, I don't know. I think of Dairy Queen because that was the one restaurant in my small town growing up. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. There's a set of games, and definitely Kids on Bike is one of those where they give the the narrative control to the players more than you might see in yeah. any other games that we talk about quite a bit. And I found this when we were playing like Masks. It was the same thing. Masks, a new generation, is a superhero game built on Powered by the Apocalypse, and you just sit down, you build your characters right there. And while you're building the characters, you're building parts of the city or parts of the things that are going on with the players. You're letting them make some decisions. You're letting them say how things really are. And so when you play that adventure, you kind of, even while you're playing in the adventure, you let them choose things. So you might say something like, you know, they're, the, the store is being robbed, but what kind of store is it? You know, what store is this in downtown? And they might say, oh, oh. You know, it's the hot topic is being and then that kind of takes the adventure in a certain way because the players are throwing out ideas all of a sudden that kind of match where the narrative is going and they're adding to it. So it gives them, I feel like, more of ownership or buy into the storyline because they feel like they're contributing to the creativeness of it, too. And they're coming up with cool ideas about, you know, the whole story ends up being about a werewolf who likes to go to Hot Topic and buy clothes, but then got <laughs> stuck. And they just have these fun, cool adventures that they get a chance to tell also. And it's not just um, them reacting to the world, which I think is still a fun. And I love to play that style of game, but it's also fun to let them make a decision of, all right, um, you know, you guys fight some goblins in this world that we've made up, but what are goblins in our world? Are goblins 10 feet tall? Are goblins two feet mm-hmm. tall? Are they even green or are they something else? Do they look like little dog people? Do they look like little cats? You know, what is, you let them have some of that control of what does this world look like? And I think they have a lot of fun doing those. So when I started my game, there are a bunch of questions like, what is a rumor in the town? What's a, a landmark in the town? What's your school mascot? Like things like that. And I took those questions and I rewrote them about the haunted house that my players were going to go into. So I was like, what's a scary rumor of the house? What's something weird about the house? What's something normal about the house? And I think the weird thing is they said that it was actually built into the side of a mountain for like geothermal possibilities to keep it nice and cool, which is another reason that it's dilapidated, but it's not falling apart because it's protected by this mountain. And then something normal about the house was that all the plants are like uh, grow and are immaculate. Like somebody comes and tends to the plants, even though this house is kind of run down or whatever. Um, Those those ownership things that they they invest in like they they now control the world and they control parts of the world just meant that they they all collectively knew this house so through those questions we have established that um they know this house and and everybody knows these rumors about it and uh i'm i'm losing my train of thought here but (laughs) but what i'm trying to say is that like basically restating what you said is that they have they're li- more likely to remember it and, and more likely to have a, a good experience about this game because they were able to invest so much into the narrative, into creating this world with you. So it's not reacting to what the DM is presenting. It's like crafting it with him. And the mechanics of the game are really cool. Like if you roll and you fail, um, I get to, the DM gets to narrate what happens. But if you roll and succeed, the player gets to narrate what happens. And I found that a lot of my players, well two or three of them in particular, they found that really intimidating because they hadn't played a game that's like that before. So one of my players had a knife and he attacked somebody and I said, or he attacked like a monster or something that I had in the thing. And he said, and he won by like a pretty large amount. And I'm like, all right, narrate what happens. And he's like, well, I mean, what you tell me. And I'm like, no, like you have to tell me what happens now because you won. And he's like, anything? And I'm like, well, within reason, like you didn't just magically fly out of the roof and become Superman. But what, you know, like within the story, like what happens? And I think he's, he narrate, well, I know this, he narrated that he cut off the guy's hand. And so there was this hand that had fallen to the ground and I'm like, there you go. And so I had to take that and run with it. Uh, I think if I was going to play this game again, I would lean more on my improvisation skills as opposed to try and map something out. And I do want to play it again. 
And basically you need to have uh, some kind of conflict. So uh, a villain or, or like a bad organization, this could be like the FBI's in town investigating um, some kind of supernatural fires that are starting. And then you need to have a powered character that you create um, because there's there's powered characters kind of like Eleven from Stranger Things that all of the characters at the table co collectively control, which is kind of cool. And so we had a powered character in our game um, that had uh, like telekinetic powers. And so they were able to utilize those powers collectively as a whole. Like, well, I want our, I want our character to be able to do this. And so they would roll for it and, and it was really fun. But yeah, I don't know. It's a really good game. Any questions about Kids on Bikes that I could answer? Either no, I, from I, I Lucian or from so whatever. Good. Yeah, I love it. And it, it reminds me of Tales from the Loop which is what I got to play. Nomadic ran a game for us. And we had that typical 1980s adventure mm -hmm. where uh, we got lost out in the woods and we come across an old shed. And in the shed was a guy making some mechanical robot creature that he wanted to unleash on the town because he was super mad at the town for losing his job. And this is how he was going to get back at everybody. And we stole the control of the creature and took it away from him and then turned him into yeah. the police sheriff, you know, later on. And we were all like, you know, I think the characters were like somewhere around like a, a 12, maybe a 14. And we might've had like an 18 year old in the thing. So it felt like that really Goonies style gameplay. And there's something that ties people into playing a teenage character of either themselves or even somebody that they used to think of, or even like a, somebody from a movie, like a Goonies character or something, being able to play that from their, their past is always super fun and to play those kinds of adventures and kids on bikes is just that the artwork looked really cool to me. It was a, a nice quick rule set to pick up. The book didn't look very big. The one that you got at Gen Con. Um, and it looked like you could run it, but I do agree that the one thing that might intimidate you if you're new to running games from the, the standpoint of a mass new generation or a powered by the apocalypse style game, these narrative games is that it does, lean towards your improvised skills and so it's hard to say well make sure you have good improvised skills because then this game will run really smoothly you just have to play it and try it out and yeah. you can practice those skills you can't just have them but when you do uh, get them better and you use them more your adventures really kind of shine in those in those systems and these systems feel to me like good one-shot systems and maybe mini campaigns, four, five, six, maybe eight yeah. sessions. We actually talk about feel... that in yeah. the, the because we recorded this. So you guys can listen to this Kids on Bikes game that I did. Um, uh, it's released now on my Patreon, but it'll be released to the public on uh, probably the 24th or the 25th. Uh, 24th is my birthday, and it feels like a good day to release it. It's kind of a Halloween episode. But um, yeah, exactly that. <laughs> Uh, Big questions from Chatter yeah. about can you level your character up? Yeah, go ahead. No, no. So MJS October had a really good things. Are there any adventures for it? If you buy the deluxe book of Kids on Bikes, half of that book is um, the actual game. And the other half is potential stories that you can do. Some of them, one of them is even written by Matt Colville and a bunch of other RPG people that are in the community. So you, um, you definitely can that steal from there and the haunted house that I did, I totally stole from there. I was just like, Oh yeah, this is exactly what I want. I just need to tweak X, Y, and Z. And then I can make this cool, like haunted house adventure. So if you buy the deluxe book, it comes with some pre-made ideas, but I wouldn't really call them like modules or adventures because it is so like, here's like the villains and the conflicts. Now you guys just kind of go play in this world. Um, do you obtain skills or anything like that? Uh, every character that you create does have like a skill in something and you get to define what that is. It could be anything from I'm really good with a shotgun to I'm really good at repairing cars to I'm really good at like motivating other people. Um, there are certain skills and then you can make up your own skills as well. So there are like, there, there's ways to make your character feel different from other characters, um, which is kind of cool. Um, and Greybeard, you do not level up. There's no leveling in the game because it is, and that's why I think you were just saying like, it's really good for one shots or like maybe like four sessions that you want to tell a story in four sessions because there isn't really leveling up. It's about telling a story creatively. And that was another thing that my players kind of, one player in particular, and she asks this question on the podcast that we recorded, like where, how do I know when I'm hurt? Like I don't have hit points. I don't have this. And I was like, no, it's all, it's all narrative. So if you get stabbed in the gut, 
Like we have to narratively talk about the ramifications of getting stabbed in the gut. Like, what does that mean? Are, do we need to take you to the hospital? Are you going to bleed out? Like there is death is a real possibility. Unlike from tales from the loop. I think you said kids can't die in that one. Yeah, kids kids on bikes. Like one. they don't, they don't outright say, you know, uh, go ahead and kill your characters. But like, it's, it, the, it's a real possibility. So it's kind of interesting like that. Uh, it's such a good game. And like, I had such a fun time playing something that was not D and D. And I keep going back to that, uh, world creation and how much I like that. And I want to steal a lot of those questions and use it in D and D. And I think my next D and D campaign, I'm going to have a session zero where I'm like, let's draw the map together. This is the continent you're on. Where are you from right here? What's the name of that town? What is that town known for? You know, and, and like, what is your character? Are you related to anybody of the other characters? How do you guys know each other? Um, and really form all of those friendships and those relationships before level one starts and then do yeah. that. So, yeah, when I play those same games, it always gets me in the mode of doing it. Like I, I played a, a Dungeons and Dragons session where we played and they didn't have character sheets and they didn't get character sheets or they didn't roll for stats until they tried to use something. So mm -hmm. it wasn't until they tried to do a strength check did we then roll to see what their strength was. So we just started playing right from the get-go. They could start role-playing their characters and moving around and, and figuring it all out. And we built the classes in that first session as it went on. And I like that idea because that's very very stylistic of those type of games you're just you're describing right now the one thing i my question through the whole thing was is this is a game where you tried something new not only the game system but you tried setting up the ability to do a podcast recording yeah of a bunch of players that are sitting around at the table they are your friends and people that mm -hmm. were there to play the game how did that whole process go as far as trying to set something up like that um, a lot of microphones and, uh, one person I should have mic'd better. So they're a little quiet through the whole thing, but, uh, yeah, we, we just kind of, we, everyone brought dice trays so that we could minimize on the amount of noise that we're causing by rolling dice and things like that. Um, they were really excited for it. I think they were excited to like create something that they're going to be able to share on their social media platforms as well. Like, look at the cool things we did. Um, one of my friends runs a baseball podcast and it's like a comedy baseball podcast. And he was talking it up. He's just like, no, I'm going to play on this game. We're going to, we're going to release it. And so he's, his fans are all excited to hear about his RPG adventures. Um, I want to record more games and maybe more one shots. I don't think I want to do what critical role does. I want to do what penny arcade does. I want to do like maybe every six months I'll record like a one shot that I wrote for either Dungeons and Dragons or D Dun Dungeon Crawl Classics or Kids on Bikes again, or maybe a new system and, and kind of try out new things and maybe put that out into the world because I learn best by listening to podcasts. That's how I learned D and D that's kind of sort of not really how I learned DCC, but I have listened to a few DCC podcasts and definitely kids on bikes. There was a podcast that came out like a month before my game that I recorded. So I was able to listen to them and kind of see this is how gameplay happens. This is how um, people interact and stuff. So uh, it's fun to put those out there so that other people can learn, I guess. Another good question came in. We'll put in the comments of the show. Typically we put in the drive through RPG referral links that we both have. Um, and typically if we talk about something, we'll put a link up so that you can go get it and you can go find it on drive through RPG and purchase it. Yep. That's the link right there. That's my affiliate link. So if you purchase kids on bikes, um, using that link, a uh, little bit comes back to me, which is, which really just helps me buy more PDFs for more. my forgotten realms research right is really what machine. happens <laughs> is I just put it back into the, into yeah. drive through RPG, but yeah, you can totally use that link MJS October. And I'll put that link in the description of the YouTube channel as well. So um geez it's almost 11 o'clock i think uh i will save my kids on bikes talk for next week we will Your be earned hot spring hot island springs. sorry hot springs island i will save for next week uh anything else solution you want to talk about no i think that's it starting to look for maybe somebody will go raid while you're giving us the, yeah. the out so in the moment you'll see the raid thing we'll try to go raid another streamer at some point i'm looking while you're taking this out all right sounds good uh thank you guys so much for coming out and watching our humble little show of saturday morning D, D show we love doing it we love having you guys here live we love um all the comments that you leave so if you have any questions for us if you have questions about kids on bikes i'll try to answer anything in the comments below um also because we are a podcast now and we're trying to get the word 
word out. If you listen to us as a podcast, go to iTunes and give us a five-star review. Just kind of your thoughts about the show and things like that. We would really love to have it because the more reviews we get, the more it gets populated within iTunes and more people can find us. And I think we just have, uh, I think we have a really fun show and I'd like more people to see it. But it takes uh, comments and it takes things like that to kind of to push us out into the algorithm. So, so run out there and do that. Um, yeah, you can buy some, uh, some t-shirts from, uh, my Teespring account. If you want some Jor- Jordan university shirts or forgotten realms explained, those are always They're fun. Really they make the high quality cotton too. I yeah, think. no, it's really nice. I chose the, the higher tier cotton and took a lower cut because I wanted the shirts to be nice. So that's really awesome. Uh, thank you again so much guys. And we will see you, uh, in the next episode of the Saturday morning D and D show, which will be next week. So come join us. Goodbye everybody. All right, we're going to go raid uh, Gold Heart Gaming. I haven't heard of them, but they're playing a game in Waterdeep right now, so it sounded pretty cool. Let's go over and say hi to those folks, and thanks for joining, guys. Bye. Yeah, thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.